I was just helping out with the planning, like really doing like a lot of like paper, you know, PowerPoint, okay. PowerPoint slides, just stuff like that, kind of boring stuff. So even you, even PowerPoint makes its way to. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. The, the army runs on PowerPoint for sure. <laughs> That's funny. This is Admissible. I'm Natalie Blazer, Dean of Admissions at UVA Law. We're recording today's episode on Friday, November 10th, the day before Veterans Day. I've wanted to do a show in honor of our military community for a long time now, and I'm so glad the timing worked out that we get to record so close to Veterans Day with our guest and release this episode just before Thanksgiving, a time when I think all of us are reflecting on what we're thankful for. One thing I personally have always been and will always be extremely grateful for is our military service and sacrifice on behalf of our country and our freedoms. Having said all that, I'm very honored to introduce today's guest, third year law student, Captain Trey Ratliff. Trey graduated from the United States Military Academy in 2018 with a degree in engineering management. Following graduation from West Point, Trey commissioned as a second lieutenant in the Army. He went on to U.S. Army Ranger School, which I'm excited to discuss in a lot more detail in the show. After graduating from Army Ranger School, he was stationed with the 82nd Airborne Division at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Two years later, he enrolled as a first-year law student at UVA Law, and we've been lucky to have him as a member of our community ever since. Welcome to the show, Trey. Hi, thanks for having me. Okay, icebreaker, Trey. All right. What are you currently reading for fun? Mm. I just started a book um, by David McCullough. It's the Panama Canal book. I think oh, it's called nice. Bridging the Seas. Yeah. I'm literally like 20 pages in. But okay. Yeah, I, I really enjoy his writing. Um, That's awesome. Did 1776 and then John Adams' uh, biography this summer. So. Oh, great. Kind of been tearing through his. <laughs> it's always a toss-up when we when I talk to current law students uh-huh. because I know y'all don't really have time no. to read for fun. <laughs> but um, I still ask just in yeah. case. And a lot of times what you're reading in law school is fun. If you're enjoying your classes yeah. and so on. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I don't read as much as I should outside yeah. of school. But yeah. yeah. Do you have like a current favorite class? Um, I'm in social science and law with uh, Professor Monahan, and I've really enjoyed that. You know, it's my I first him. It's my first course that's taught by a, a non-attorney. It's yeah. Just like, it's completely different from any other law school class I've taken. So it's been really interesting. Just some of the perspective um, from from the social science yeah, exactly. angle. I took him in law school a class called like Lawyers and Happiness. Uh-huh. And um, it was all about sort of how lawyers can have a good, you know, work-life balance and all of that and right. all of like these kind of statistics. And yeah, a lot of this stuff, like when you hear it, you're like, duh, like that makes sense. Yeah. But then you're like, whoa, that's like so crazy. Just yeah. like the correlation for some of this stuff. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's really cool. Okay, well, so I want to go back in time with your decision to attend West Point in the first place. So mm-hmm. you're a high school mm-hmm. student. I think you played football. I did. Right? So you're like looking at where you can play football. Right. So how did West Point, how did you decide on West Point? So my dad actually was a West Point grad and he was class <clears throat> 88. Um, and he played football as well. Um, he did 20 years as an officer in the army. Um, wow. But his last eight, he did what was called, um, basically he worked for the North Carolina National Guard and so we lived right there in the Raleigh area pretty much my whole um, my whole life, which was nice. And, and it's really rare for the military lifestyle. Like, I yeah. I really didn't move around 
um, you know, growing up. But with that being said, like, I, I always knew about West Point, but my dad was really good about never forcing that on me. He just was informative, and I think West Point's, like, one of those deals uh, where you would never want to force someone into it, and then they could just, because, you know, they get there, that's not a place you want to be stuck. But, uh, yeah, I was looking at schools. I think I took, like, my official visits to University of Connecticut, UConn, University of Richmond, just some smaller mm-hmm. um, schools. And then I uh, took one to West Point, and uh, just being around the, the guys, like the cadets on the football team, I knew um, I knew that was a good place. I knew I probably wouldn't have as much fun and party as much as <laughs> I would at UConn or, yeah. you know, one of those schools. But I'm glad I had the foresight to, you know, say this is probably a good spot for me. Yeah. Um, so did that. So for those who don't know, like like me and like a lot of people who didn't go to West Point, what is it like? Yeah, it's um, it's definitely really regimented, obviously. Your first summer is kind of like a crash course. It's called uh, Beast Barracks. It's like a crash course into the military. It's kind of like a mini, like basic training, just to kind of. You this know, is like before you even start. Yeah, or, it's like the summer oh. before your freshman year. Um, okay. So they kind of like shave your head and you do all the stuff, learn how to march, all that stuff, and then during the academic year, it's it's pretty normal to college life, I would say, minus that like you're up early for breakfast formation, you take a ton of credits. West Point was originally founded to produce engineers for the Army, so pretty much everyone gets a bachelor in science, and they, no matter what you major in, you have to do some engineering. You also have to take a lot of classes like boxing, like just random, like just <laughs> like historic West Point classes right. and like military art and like military history and stuff. So you're taking like well over 20 credits. Wow. Um, so you're... It's much more like high school, like you eat breakfast and then you're pretty much in school um, until like 4 p.m. And are you also doing like some sort of like physical? Yeah, like you take a ton of P classes like swimming, boxing, like all you're doing that pretty much all four years. And then also the big thing they say is like every cadet's an athlete. So everyone, you're either on NCAA sport, a club sport, or you're doing like intramurals. So every day you're doing um, not only the schoolwork, but everyone's playing some sort of sport just because it, it's definitely important in the military to, you know, know how to work as a team. Yeah. Um, you know, both lead and be able to follow. And I think team sports definitely instills that in people. Yeah. So as you touched on before, um, my understanding is as you're nearing the end of your time, you have to decide like a branch of the army. Yeah. So how does that work? Yeah. So it's merit based. Um, okay. And then they have like they have allotments for each branch. So there, I think there's 17 branches in the army or different jobs you can do um, as a lieutenant in the army. And that ranges from, you know, being like a helicopter pilot in aviation. You can do like medical service, like uh, work like in the hospital, mm-hmm. um, quartermaster, like supply and then like infantry. Um armors tanks um so your senior year they kind of rack and stack your class of a thousand literally like one to a thousand and then you kind of go through and just pick you know what job and then if you're low in the class and they don't have the job you want you know you're 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 stuck with whatever yeah person 1000 is doing whatever the thousandth choice was (laughs) yeah and it works the same way for your first duty assignment so they'll have like Fort Bragg, North Carolina has 50 little things. You literally like sit in your class, like order one to however many are in your branch and you walk up and grab, 
I got Alaska or like I really wanted to go back to North Carolina. So I'm, and luckily I got Fort Bragg. So right. that was great. Um, so it really, I mean, the work ethic, the incentive to work hard yeah, definitely. is really there. Yeah, it can. Um, that last year definitely feels kind of not cutthroat, but, you know, you're kind of looking around and hoping you're doing the mental yeah. math. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you chose infantry. So what does that mean exactly? Yeah, so infantry is, like, probably what you think of when you think of the Army. It's kind mm-hmm. of like... Um, I think of, like, marching Yeah, soldiers. basically. Okay. Yeah, classically. It's uh, There's kind of different things in the infantry. Like, there are some vehicles. I was in the 82nd Airborne Division, so it was airborne infantry. So it was, like, paratroopers. It's wild. Yeah. I, I just, I can't even imagine. Okay, so you, you chose infantry, and then you went to U.S. Army Ranger School. Mm-hmm. Okay, so right out of West Point. Does everyone who's going to go into the infantry do that, or that was, like, an ad- additional choice that you made? Yeah, so uh, right when you graduate, you go to—everyone goes to their basic officer leadership course, or Bullock. I'm, tr- I'm trying to flesh out the acronyms. I know there's yeah. a lot. Um, and so for infantry, it's at uh, Fort Benning, Georgia, and just, which is now Fort Moore. The military just changed a bunch of their names that were based on Confederate leaders. So I see. sorry, <laughs> like, oh, got uh, it. No, it makes sense. Yeah, and so I did that for about a year, and then I went to Ranger School, which is kind of like a prereq for infantry officers. Other branches do go, but they at least want all infantry officers to go and try and to get your Ranger tab and be Ranger qualified. I don't even know where to start. It's like one of those things that you just see in the movies or you read about in books. Mm -hmm. Like you just are picturing like hell kind (laughs) of, right? So what, what was it like? Um, yeah, it was, it was definitely tough. Um, luckily I, for me, I went with a lot of guys that I just graduated West Point with and had met there at, um, Fort Benning for that year of training. Um, and you kind of go through it with them. Ranger school, at the end of the day, you don't really learn any novel tactics or anything. It's more of like a leadership course, and they kind of just deprive you of food and uh, sleep. So you're sleeping like two hours a night, and then you're just walking miles and miles, like running these fake missions with different people rotating leadership. Yeah. Um, So like the biggest thing you take away is just learning how other people act when they're, you know, starving and sleep deprived. And then you Mm -hmm. also learn like how you as leader act when you're starving and sleep deprived. So it's definitely interesting. It's about 60 days. If you go straight through, I, uh, recycled. So I failed the first, Oh man, you have a little three week, uh, periods that you go through. The first one's there in Fort Benning. And then they have mountain phase, which is, um, in the Appalachian mountains, you kind of learn some mountaineering stuff, run missions out there. And they have swamp phase in Florida, which is kind of more of like water based. Yeah, <laughs> walking through swamps. So, so, have you read any of Dave Goggins' books? I have. Okay. Yeah. So I read his book where he talks about Army Ranger School uh-huh. and like you know he failed and he had to come back and there was like times where they're like out in the ocean, mm-hmm. like and it just sounds like you know you said you learn what you're like when you're sleep deprived and and food deprived. So what did you learn from that time? Um. I was really hungry. <laughs> I mean, like, there, there's a joke that, like, everyone's either a hungry ranger or a sleepy ranger. Like, what what's going <laughs> to affect you more, like, the lack of food or the lack of sleep? And 
Um, there's people that like fall asleep just standing up all the time. And this lack of sleep, for whatever reason, never really bothered me, but I was just like starving. Like that's all I could yeah. think about. Like I have notebooks full where I was just writing about like the different meals I wanted and oh just like God. stuff like that. <laughs> I I think I lost I lost about forty five pounds like in those. So it took me eighty so days. Um, wow. So it was, yeah, I was hungry. It's but <laughs> I mean, people must get really sick injured yeah you lose a lot of folks um people that just you know tap out and just they gotta go yeah Yeah. too much um but yeah you learn you learn quickly um how to how to work how to work together to try to get through it and then um for infantry officers it's almost like a prereq um so like i just didn't I just didn't want to show up to my unit and not like have the ranger tab on my uniform. Just, yeah. I, it just it's it's kind of it's not necessary, um, but you know, soldiers that you're leading notice for sure. Yeah. Um, how many people do you like start with, and how many people finish it? I want to say like 200 starts up a class. Um, I I think it's like 40 percent. Yeah. Pass. Um, probably less for straight through yeah, I, a lot yeah. of folks recycle just for different reasons right, either right. not getting their mission or they get hurt and have to you know try that phase yeah. again my god so after army ranger school that's when you go to fort bragg mm-hmm. and now you are you're a lieutenant yeah in in the 82nd airborne division right okay so you start there and i think um you were battalion assistant operations officer. Yeah. So what does that mean? What were you doing when you first started at Fort, Fort Bragg? Um, so when you first show up, if there's not like a platoon leader job open, like you'll kind of sit on um, battalion staff, which is a lot of like off higher ranking officers and some NCOs that are basically working on planning and like the logistics for different training events. It's kind of like the staff function for that unit. Um, so after a few months, you were promoted to rifle platoon leader. Mm-hmm. So, so what does that mean? What does that role mean, really? Yeah. So the platoon leader for the infantry world, you're you're working a lot like on radio and working how to like actually maneuver the platoon. Yeah. Stuff like that. So, I want you to tell a story that was was it three years ago that I would have read this in your personal statement. You're 23 years old. It's New Year's Eve. Yep. You're watching college football. <laughs> you're just being a 23-year-old. You're on holiday leave mm-hmm. from the Army, right? So you get, what, like a week or two off? Yep. After everything you've done, all the Army Ranger School, all of the hard work, you're just kind of relaxing watching college football. And then what happens? Yeah. So the 82nd Airborne Division's kind of unique that their mission is there's what's called the Immediate Response Force um, or the IRF. And their kind of mission set is to deploy anywhere in the world in 18 hours. Um, so you're kind of always... That's insane. I just want to pause and say 18 <laughs> hours to deploy anywhere in the world. So yeah. you have to be... To- to, to say you have to be ready is like an understatement. Yeah, no, it's impressive, like the logistics of it. Um, but they kind of rotate little subsects that are kind of assigned to. They're the ones that are like actually on call, on call. 
you know, they hadn't done it since like the nineties, like actually like gotten the call to do it. Wow. So everybody was like, Oh, don't worry about it. Like that never, that <laughs> never, never actually happen. happens. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, we had like a radius or something that we could go for our Christmas leave. Right. So I went down to Charleston with some friends. Nice. Um, I was like a month into getting my platoon as a platoon leader. There was nothing really going on in the world. You know, there was no high alert that they right. told us before we left. And then, um, the attack happened at the embassy in Baghdad. Uh, I think it was an Iranian-backed uh, terrorist group basically attacked. Mm-hmm. And so we attacked got... Attacked the U.S. embassy in yes. Baghdad. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so we got the call. It's called a Green Corvette in the 82nd Airborne Division. It's kind of like, no joke, like, everyone get back, grab your stuff, we're leaving. And yeah, I was drinking oh my with my, <laughs> with my, my buddies <laughs> watching... The college football playoff or whatever, and I was like, oh, I guess I'm leaving. I, I <laughs> oh made a cup of coffee and I netted it out. <laughs> Good grief. Like something I, like the vast majority of people will never, I don't even think, begin to relate to. That's wild. Yeah. So you drink your coffee, go back. <laughs> Do you always have like a bag packed? Or? Yeah, because of that's our mission. Like you yeah. always, they have like a system where like they always have like your basic load like ready to go. Um and then they, they have, like, different, like, tiers of readiness. So, like, there was one um, unit that wasn't even allowed to leave Fort Bragg. And so they literally, within 24 hours, they were in Iraq. Like, it's for those of us who were there at the time, just because it hasn't happened in a long time, like, you always, like, heard myths of, like, I think they had done it, like, in uh, Panama or something. But yeah. you're like, there's no way they can actually get people out the door. But they did it in 18 wow. hours. They were in the Middle East, you know, ready to do whatever. That um, is just wild. Yeah. And so you go over there, mm-hmm. and how? What I can't uh, to say. What was that like? I don't even know. That doesn't really cover it, the question. But just explain sort of what you did over there, how long you were there, what that experience was yeah, like. Yeah. So we got there probably like January second, and then we were on like one of the lower tiers of reading. Like we weren't the first ones in that battalion. Was they were already in Baghdad, and then we kind of got stuck like in Kuwait, just kind of waiting the higher order was like well we don't know what you're gonna do um but we don't want them to you know go back to the states yet and then about two months in there was a rocket attack or something in iraq so they wanted to up the u.s presence so my battalion ended up going um and we were like in the baghdad area of iraq for about two months um were you like scared at this point um not real. Like it's kind of like weird, just like when you're in the moment, like you're with everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, especially you're with a lot of NCOs who like have kind of like cut their teeth during the the GWAT, the Global War on Terrorism. Like my platoon sergeant like had two Purple Hearts and like had been to like you know wow. Iraq and Afghanistan like five yeah. times. So you're um, surrounded by people you really trust. Yeah, for sure. And like you know with those people around you that they have the experience they're not gonna let you fail so it was it, it was also crazy because that was january 2020 um so while we were there covid started happening <laughs> you have to quarantine in Baghdad. how did that even work um we just didn't know what it was like we yeah. kn- we obviously heard about it um but we had no idea the degree of like what was going on in america right because like you know, when you're in a combat zone, like we didn't like there was no like masks or like anything. Right. Like I think like they told us to wash our hands. Like that's that was about the extent <laughs> of it. 
I mean, looking back on, it, I guess it was kind of nice. Like, you did, like I wasn't here for like this. I got we got back in May of 2020, okay. so we, we missed. You know, I guess like the full grocery store. You know, right? Stuff yeah, like but that. that like that. Yeah, that was kind of annoying. But you were like in yeah. combat. I think I would take staying home for yeah. a couple months. My mom loves the story. Like we got back and I got to my house there at Bragg. My parents were in town, um, and I was like. So all the bars and all the restaurants are closed. And she was like, yeah, like, I was like, but it's only for like another week. And they're like, no, like it's, there's, there's no, no timeline on it. All you want to do is come home and do like your fun America things. Oh man. Yeah. That was weird. It's a bummer. I'm sorry. Um, okay. So you're, you're over there, you come back. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's May, 2020. I also have to say. You were rated as the number one platoon leader in the airborne division. How does that happen? Um, definitely not in the division. In my like battalion. Or in the company. In the yeah, company. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. In my in one of the units. Um Is that just like what is that based on? Because it's not grades anymore, it's not academics anymore, right? Like how does what yeah. are you measured on, I guess? It's just like your superior officers and NCOs kind of like any job. It's like a performance kind of rating yeah. they give you. Um, I I was lucky the company and like the specific platoon I went to, I had really good NCOs who like helped me out. And yeah. were like a lot of times, um, you know, it's an interesting dynamic. We'll have non-commissioned officers who, you know, have been doing it for 10, 15 years. And then you get like 23-year-old who – doesn't really know anything but you know they're in good shape yeah. like they show, they show up they yeah. show up and like they're they're the ones that technically the legal authority um yeah. but like you don't even know half of what they know that in their experiences right um and so i was fortunate to have not commission officers who like actually mentored me and taught me and i think um you have to have the humility to not think that you know everything no matter what you've done you know well, it sounds like West Point taught you that, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. you're just you're not special. You're here as a team, yeah, member, 100%, right? Percent. Yeah, I think that is part of the you know formula is just knowing yeah. when to shut up and listen, and even knowing that that 18 year old private, like you might think you know more than him, but like if he's a machine gunner, like and he's been doing that for six months, like he knows how to operate that weapon better than anyone, you know, and like he can teach you stuff about the tactics. So just being not afraid to learn um, and just trying your best. The longer we talk, the more I'm thinking, I think everybody needs to go into the military to learn these lessons. Like you don't know everything. You're part of a team. Like you should be humble. You should listen to people who you can't necessarily assume you're smarter than or more, um, accomplished then. Yeah. So that's great. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you are now thinking about law school. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so what is it that, you know, led you to, I guess, apply to law school? Mm-hmm. Um, so actually on, in Iraq, I ran into a JAG and he, uh, he had like a Ranger tab and like, I could tell he was an infantry officer at some point, just like the stuff he had on his uniform, I could tell. And then he told me he was a JAG and I, I never thought about the JAG Corps really. They're kind of pretty far removed from like the platoon level. And so he told me his background, he kind of been on the same track commissioned as an infantry officer and then uh, got the FLEP, which is that funded legal education program. So 
got his all school paid for and then was working as a JAG there in the 82nd. And so that kind of sparked interest in mine. Like I was saying, I love the infantry, but just kind of, it's a tough life to keep doing that for, you yeah. know, 20 or so years. <laughs> yeah. Like, thank God for our country that we have those people that are like, you know, has, so has spent 30 years as almost a nonstop state of war. The people that had like six or yeah. seven years of total deployments, you're like, I, I just didn't think that was for me. I didn't want to do it for the rest of my life. Yeah. I had other interests. I never really thought no lawyers in the family or anything, but thought, you know, I wanted to do some do some more school, kind of figure it out. And so took the LSAT and applied. So. Yeah. And lucky for us, obviously, you decided to attend UVA Law. Yeah. Um, so what factors, if you can think back to your application cycle and the schools you had applied to, like what factors led you to choose UVA? Mm-hmm. Um. So my process was definitely pretty rushed because FLEP has its own application. And then you find out in December if you get picked up for that. So if you're actually going to start law school that next fall. So I kind of... Uh, so I don't think I knew this. So you applied for... Fl- so for I do want to get talk about this for a second. So mm-hmm. funded legal education program. Yeah. So you apply to get the funding. Mm-hmm. And then once you learn that you get the funding, which by the way, if people don't know, it's very competitive because... Each branch of the military only has a um, limited, like, finite number of flips, basically, to give out, right? Yeah. It's really, uh, I think it's 20 a year. It kind of uh, yeah. fluctuates on funding. That's very competitive to yeah. come out of the Army and get one of the 20 basically fully funded mm-hmm. legal education. Okay. So you found out in December that you were one of the 20, that you were going to get your law school education paid for. Mm-hmm. So then, then did you apply to schools? Yep. Okay. I see. So I had, a, uh, I think I had maybe applied to a few before then. I just didn't want to like, you know, drop Go a ton of money yeah, and, like, I get uh, it. I get it. on stuff. And I knew nothing about law school <laughs> Had no lawyers in the family. Um, so just did like all the Google searches and kind of blanket applied and Obviously, UVA, like, great school. And then also the JAG school being right there. And it was close to North Carolina. So luckily, went through that, took a took a visit, I uh, I think, in the February of that year. Came up and loved it. And yeah. it's been a great choice, yeah. And so we've talked a lot about JAG, um, mm-hmm. another acronym, the Judge Advocate General mm-hmm. School. So the JAG school is right next to UVA law. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is a huge benefit for any military connected person who, who you mm-hmm. know, wants to go to law school. So Judge Advocate General Corps is basically, if, if you are a JAG, you're a military attorney. Is that right. like a simplistic way to put yeah, it? Yeah, Okay. for sure. So can you explain like kind of for people who don't know, you know, what is the benefit of being next to the JAG school if you're kind of interested in that path? Like, did you ever take classes there? Did you interact with it? Or, um, I think the biggest benefit is obviously like the administration just familiar with it. Yeah. It's especially, um, Miss Jennifer Holvey is like the best person I've ever worked with. Like, the Army is notorious for just really fumbling like paperwork and stuff. Yeah. And from the from the moment like. I got into UVA and like committed that I wanted to come here. Like I didn't have to do anything. And wow. it, I know um, through talking to other vets, like the same thing with like the GI Bill funding, like yeah. all that stuff. Like Miss Holvey is just amazing, and yeah. I think that's probably 
has to do with the proximity and working with the JAG school. It's just too easy to go next door um, and kind of figure out any type of those questions. For those who um, might remember from season one, Jennifer Holby, in our financial aid office was on. And yes, I, I, I'm extremely proud of how basically knowledgeable mm-hmm. and responsive our financial aid office is to every admitted student and every actually prospective applicant, um, but especially with our military population. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you enroll at UVA Law. Mm-hmm. You're funded by the Army, which is great. So then you, you've you mentioned that you're commissioning with the Judge Advocate General with JAG yep. after graduation. So what will that look like? Where are you going? What are you doing? Yeah. Um, so for most Army JAGs or direct commissionees, um, I'm sure you know, like they recruit from law schools. Um, I don't know the exact percentage, but with only the FLEP being 20 a year, I'm sure it's like not, well over 90% come basically straight from law school. Yep. Their first job will be as a JAG. So I'll kind of fall into that cohort, and then so we'll go to what's called direct commissioning course, which kind of serves as like a basic training for those folks, and it's their introduction to the military. And then um, same with like our our doctors that come straight from medical school. I think they all go to that. And then after that, I'll that's actually at Fort Benning, Georgia. And then next fall, I'll go to what's called the um, officer basic course at the JAG school, Okay. which is basically where they take, um, you know, the people that have just entered the JAG Corps, who are all, you know, attorneys, um, and they teach them the basics of military justice and UCMJ. And that's about six months. Um, what does that stand for? The Uniform Code of Military Justice. Okay. It's like the military law, I guess. Um um, and then after that, I'll go to my first duty assignment as a JAG. And do you know where that will be? Not they'll yet. They'll just assign you yeah. somewhere. I, I think we put in like a preference list this spring, and we find okay. out this spring. Um, so the movie A Few Good Men yeah, yeah. comes to mind. Yeah. Okay, so like you will be dealing with legal matters that come up mm-hmm. in the armed services, right? Is that a good way to describe it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's basically one-stop shop legal for soldiers um then obviously ucmj has a lot of unique aspects during the summers for flip like we i went to fort now fort liberty fort bragg this past summer and then fort um it was fort lee in richmond my first i'm not sure what it's called now (laughs) (laughs) no worries but uh you do like a small not even an internship like you'll put the uniform back on um and you'll go work in their jag office there but yeah, this previous summer I saw like a lot of litigation, like a lot of criminal work, um, yeah. and it, some courts martials, which basically like a military trial, criminal trial, and so that was uh, really cool. But yeah, I, I definitely was thinking yeah. about few good men. <laughs> yeah, I think it's obviously a little bit hyped up in the movie, but well, of course, Tom it's gotta Chris. be. Yeah, it's yeah. gotta be. Um, so, so you'll do that for what eight, at least eight years. Yeah, it's uh, I could probably get out of the army, or my obligation will be completed like the fourteen or fifteen year mark of service. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I don't even want to talk about career goals beyond that. That's yeah. a long time. Yeah. And you, I, <laughs> so I try not to think of it. It's right. it's obviously unique um, at school because like all my peers are you know doing all these awesome things and yeah. jobs. Um, but You're also doing it's, pretty awesome. Yeah, and it's too. been an awesome. You can ask any of my friends. Like I've, 
I've probably been the less least stressed person yeah. at law school. I've yeah. I've known my job and I've had a paycheck this whole time. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty nice. Yeah, and definitely well deserved after all the things yeah. you've been through. Um, okay, so I want to spend our remaining time um, just talking about life at UVA Law, like as a student. Yeah, has it been what you expected? Um, I guess I came in with no expectation, just because like not only was I not a pre, you did engineering, and yeah. I was at West Point, so this has been my first like <laughs> normal college experience. Yeah. Like this is obviously very different from uh, yeah. West Point, so but it's been really great. So I want to talk about Virginia Law Veterans, mm-hmm. which is our student organization here on grounds. I love, I call them VLV. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about what VLV, Virginia Law Veterans, like, does in the community. Yeah. Um, so VLV is obviously pretty small uh, as far as the affinity groups go. I think we, we probably have like 20 to 30, you know, active. But I think the biggest thing you know, looking at my 1L year, it was just helpful um, to have that group where I knew that people had like some common experiences with me, kind of spoke the same language, had like kind of perspective um, of that military background because it is such a culture shock, especially coming directly from the military. Um, It's just nice to have people that have kind of done some of the same things. So we kind of do uh, internal, you know, get-togethers, stuff like that. Obviously, softball team, like every, like <laughs> yeah. every other group. Um, this year, I'm the vice president. We've kind of worked on bridging the gap with the Darden Military Association. Yeah. That's a great presence. And then also, we've reached out and gotten together with the undergrad vets. And that's, that's, that's been awesome um, to kind of bridge that gap this year. And I think some of the... Um, most impactful things that we can do is I saw some statistic about the civilian military gap that's basically I don't know the exact number but thinking back like to World War II and Vietnam era like Mm. you know 90 or so odd percent had someone in the family or knew someone who was a veteran and now that number is like drastically decreased so it's like I think it's like Mm -hmm. 10 or 15 percent know someone some of the best conversations I've had with my peers is just like, you know, what did what does the army do? What did you do? What was your job? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of helps bridge that gap and makes people, you know, understand a little and respect the military a little more. And um, yes, you know, and same thing, learning from your civilian peers who have these different experiences. Right. I love that you said that. That's exactly why I wanted to do this episode, yeah. actually, because I hope it will be nice for military applicants to hear from you know a member of our veteran mm-hmm. community. But I also think for people who really don't understand what it's like or know where you've come from, I think mm-hmm. I think they want to know and should know. Yeah. What do you think is the biggest misconception about the military? Um. Or about veterans or, or anything related to that? I think, like, the biggest misconception is probably I've, just, like, how many different experiences the military provides um, mm-hmm. and, the, like, the different jobs. Like, there's people that are doing cyber warfare in the Army, you know, people that are doctors. Um, I'm, I'm sure that people think that there's some sort of ideology or mm-hmm. perspective that everyone in the military follows. But at the end of the day, you know, when you take off the uniform, like everyone's just a person, you know, yeah. I'm still a 27 year old guy, like just like everyone else, you know? Yeah. So. yeah. 
if it's not obvious already, I love military applicants. I like I think they make great law students and great lawyers. Yeah. Um, there is a perspective there. And like you said, a resilience. And you're not going to crumble at a B in a class. Right. Mm-hmm. There, you've seen worse things. You've come back from harder experiences. Right. Yeah. And, you know. You're you're not afraid to get called on in class like that was like <laughs> yeah I was like oh that's like the big like thing like that's the big stressor yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have a favorite moment or memory from your time at UVA Law? We've just made a great group of friends here. I moved here with my girlfriend at the time, now wife. We've met people non-military folks that have just become some of our best friends and yeah. just you know going to sporting events like just stuff I didn't really get to do at West Point um it's been it's been really fun you know gotten that yeah. college experience out of me so I'm so glad yeah I'm so glad to hear that do you have any advice for anyone out there who's in, in the military right now or or is in the veteran community who's thinking about applying to law school or they're considering going to law school um one thing I would say is I think, as you were saying, I think uh, a lot of folks with a military background uh, have a lot of humility in their, especially in their experiences. For me, like, I pretty much was in the Army for, like, three, three and a half years, like, before this. I think my experience is so limited compared to, like, other, even other people at the law school. Um, but I think I would say don't be afraid or don't be ashamed to like not hype that experience up, but tell people what you did. Like such a great point. Um, it kind of helps people understand. Um, don't just say like, Oh yeah, I was in the army. Mm -hmm. I was in the Marines or whatever, but explain what you did. Um, it helps people understand each other for sure. Absolutely. This is your time to sort of tell your story, right? Don't be so humble in your application. We're, we're rooting for you always. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, we have the most respect, um, and, you know, a lot of people's military experiences are what have informed their decision to go to law school. Yeah. I, uh, I had a conversation with someone in my first year um, who was a VLV alumni, and he said now he's a partner in, in, in the hiring uh, process. And he said, you know, we love hiring veterans um, for one thing. They're probably going to show up on time. Yeah. They're going to work hard and try their best. And, you know. No matter what you ask them, it's not going to be the hardest thing right. that they've done. And I think Absolutely. that's so valuable, especially today. Well, Trey, geez, Captain Ratliff. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was so, so helpful um, for for me, for I hope all of our listeners. I love what you said about bridging the gap. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have wanted, like I said, to honor Veterans Day for a long time on the show. And I'm so happy that it worked out for you to come. So. Thank you for being here and thank you for your service. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. This has been Admissible with me, Dean Natalie Blazer at the University of Virginia School of Law. My guest today was 3L Trey Ratliff. For more information about UVA Law, please visit law.virginia.edu. The next episode of Admissible will be out soon. In the meantime, you can follow the show on Instagram at at Admissible Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and please remember to rate the show wherever you listen to podcasts.